0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to an all new episode of Write Who You Know. I'm Matt Housefetter, and this is the screenwriting podcast. That's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. How's everyone doing? I'm feeling really good. It's Saturday, and it's fucking great to be alive. I had an incredibly big week, just been pitching shows. One of them went really well, the other one I got a pass from uh, a network studio, but hey, I was just trying to jam a multicam before the window shut for uh, pilot sales and season, and it didn't happen, but that's okay. You know, when you got a bunch of balls in the air, when one drops, no one gives a shit. And that's the name of the game, putting the numbers up there. I've always been told, like, Matt, people want to hear what you're doing. Like, what's your, like, what, a, it's like, I don't fucking want to get into that. It's so boring. But the, I guess, you know, I'm just doing development like everyone else. I'm pitching shows, but I'm not really pitching shows because the town is in this weird place. We're sort of in this holding pattern of, like, people assessing what they have. What's in the pipeline? Like, what is the big IP that they need to figure out? They're moving schedules because of the SAG after strike. There's a lot of bigger pieces at play. And so I'm just trying to keep the slate alive and work on the things I can work on and be productive and in the moment. And one of the things that I love doing uh, is this podcast because I get to reconnect with people that I love, one of whom is today's guest, Adam Stekiel. Adam was my boss on Undateable. He's the creator of Undateable. He's written tons of TV pilots. He has written incredible movies like Due Date He's written Project X, Black Adam, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip. Oh, man, what a maid of honor. I mean, the list keeps going. And one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of working for. And I'm just so thrilled to hear about uh, and to basically let you guys in on some of what I knew, but I'm so thrilled to hear about it in depth about his career in the highs of what it's like pitching on some really big stuff and uh how to stay sane and keep your cool so you know as i usually say sit back torch one pour yourself two fingers of the stiff stuff get a little hooch and uh strap in because this episode and this interview with adam Stichel is going to knock your socks off pass nope a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and get some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know.
1: Movies specifically, I think, were... I was just talking to a buddy about this. Like, I'll say two things. One, going to the movies was a really big deal. You know, like my dad would take us and I have three younger sisters. Um, but, it, But it was... You know, it was like get all of the popcorn and candy you can eat and and it was an experience. And it was awesome every time we did it. And I even remember like that to me, it was really important that it felt and I didn't really I couldn't put a label on this, but like a community, like that there were other people. You were watching this thing in the dark with a bunch of people, to the point where I have this memory of I don't know what year it was, but my dad took us to see one of the Muppet movies. And looking back, it was clearly like not opening weekend because we go in the theater and there's no one in the theater, just us. And it totally weirded me out to the point where I was like, I don't want to sit in an empty movie theater. This is so strange. So we left and went and saw Supergirl instead, which was had a robust, you know, audience (laughs) and, and felt more like, you know, like a movie going experience. So, I mean, that's it's always had that thing with me where you're like, yeah, you go and watch this with strangers and have this sort of awesome and strange community experience. And then growing up, uh, I just had movies that had either been taped off of television or I had like illegally recorded from blockbuster um, that I would watch over and over and over and over again. And it was the most, I mean, a lot of it's just like, you know, Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom and Spielberg and Zemeckis and all those movies. But then there would be these other random movies like just the other day I realized I know so much dialogue from the last Boy Scout <laughs> only because, you know, I, there was no streaming. Like you couldn't just watch a movie and be like, what's next on the thing? You'd be like, I guess I'm just going to watch the last Boy Scout again. Uh, Should I see that rotation. movie, by the way? great
0: because i remember when it came out my dad and my friend's dad were gonna go and they wouldn't let us go and they let us see basically everything sure but for some reason they're like you're not coming to see the last boy scout that's interesting so i've always thought about
1: that one yeah
0: it's a classic. so i should add it to my au revoir
1: absolutely okay yeah okay yeah yeah you gotta you All gotta right. get down with some with some last boy Scout.
0: i do credit blockbuster with like a lot of love for movies yeah and I'm, i i totally forgot that like you're of that same era of like make it a blockbuster night yeah like that's the activity yeah and how fun it was, like, you know, to pick out fucking movies and then candy and popcorn and the
1: shit. The whole thing. And a lot of times you'd go – and I think this is also why there's, like, an awareness of things you wouldn't have otherwise seen is you'd go to Blockbuster to rent, you know, whatever Schwarzenegger movie had just come out on video, and it's all checked out. There's nothing left. And so then you're like, okay, like, now what? And then, yeah, you're, like, walking around, and you're like, this looks cool. Let's get this movie. Um And that's how I think I ended up seeing just like the weirder stuff that I would have never come across, but for the fact that I was forced to be like, pick something else because that's not available.
0: And when you would take, like watch these movies, were you watching them with your sisters and your dad? Or were you like, I'm going to stay up all night and watch, you know, three fucking movies in the basement. You know, like sort of how are you consuming your blockbuster? That's a great question.
1: Uh, I mean, all of the way. So I had younger sisters. So that would be a lot of like, Disney stuff, obviously. Like, I've seen all those movies eight like, When times. you say Disney,
0: are we talking live action or cartoon?
1: We're talking cartoon. We're talking back when the with VHS tapes had the, the big bubble, plastic. The bubble plastic. Yeah, exactly. Yo, yes. Uh, yeah, um, okay. all that stuff. I remember seeing this maybe on some level apocryphal because I don't – it feels like this is all true, but we had gone to Disneyland – and or Disney World, sorry – And I think we saw, I want to say Beauty and the Beast, like, opening weekend at a theater there. Wow. And I remember sitting in the front row, because it was sold out, and just being like, this is awesome. You know, like, this is just, yeah. Lumiere is the shit. I mean, dude, you're just bangers (laughs) all the way through. Uh, It was great. So a lot of that stuff. But then also we had, dude, this just makes me feel so old. When we would drive up north, which is a thing people in Michigan do in the summer, we had one of those conversion vans that had like a TV with a VCR. Oh my
0: God. My parents had one of those too. Yeah, and right. they're like, you know, suburban or whatever the fuck.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. So like we, and so it would be like, okay, what do we, is the kids going to watch on the drive up? And at some point, you know, four kids and with ranging, you know, nine year age difference from top to bottom. And my parents just sort of gave up on like any attempt to be like, this is appropriate for you for not for you. And so like, you know, I'm 14 and then I had my five-year-old sister in the back seat and I'm just like, fuck it. We're watching blood sport, you know, like
0: (laughs) great movie. Honestly, like not that bad for a five-year-old.
1: So, uh, so, you know, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. And just, again, as the oldest, I kind of got to dictate the, the choices, um, a lot of times. So it it was, it was usually to my taste. Uh, Um, And then, yeah, like there would be – and then, yes, I would come up from school and just put on, you know, whatever, again, dubbed VHS tape that had, you know, uh, for some reason would be like Stripes, Star Trek (laughs) 6, and then like, you know, half of uh, Witness or just – you know what I mean? (laughs) Like just completely random stuff because you'd be like, okay, oh, I have this much time left on this extended play tape. Now I'll record this thing that's on – hbo or whatever it is and so yeah you would just put those on and i would just watch them over and over and over and over again
0: at the time do you remember like what your favorite movie was at the time or even if there was like a couple you know like you don't, I don't it doesn't have to be one
1: yeah that's a great question it's hard to put myself back in that place i mean raiders of lost ark i feel like has been always one that you're like i could watch this infinity times and, and never get tired of it and then Back to the Future was in that rotation, Uh, things like Stripes, Ghostbusters, all like a lot of early Bill Murray stuff. Um,
0: Yeah, I was like, I I discovered like Kevin Smith and when, you know, and like, I was like, oh, these are so edgy and irreverent and like, they're talking about blowjobs and like weed. And to me, like when I was 15, I was like, there's nothing better than
1: these. What? So that was like, what, 94?
0: I feel like... I discovered them in like 1997. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, you know, I I was discovering them on VHS. Right. Like, whether on like a demo tape, like my dad would bring home Chasing Amy in his briefcase and I'd fucking throw that on and then he'd be like, what the fuck are you watching? And it'd be too late. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: But yeah, I was a big into like Kevin Smith in high school.
1: I mean, that was so the, again, I'm slightly older than you, but it, but I feel like I had a really specific run of the movies I was consuming because it was like as a kid, it's all '80s stuff, you yeah. know. It's like Predator. It's the just best. yeah, all all the the great '80s movies. And then right at the time, because I'm I was born in '78, so like right as I'm entering teenagerness and kind of becoming like I'm fucking punk rock and I'm gonna do alt shit. Like that's when <laughs> alternative, like sort of you know art house movies became cool. And you're just like, yeah, like now this is my shit. And so. It just was a really – it was almost like a perfect segue from just the best big tentpole audience movies when that was like my age range. And then right into – I think Pulp Fiction came out when I was like, I don't know, a sophomore in high school. And you're just like, yeah, (laughs) let's go. It's
0: so interesting that you had both the like big box office and the indie uh, palette growing up. That's fucking great because most people like don't – you know, it's really just you're watching, like you said, those big movies like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and like, you know, the pillars of yeah, 80s entertainment cinema. For sure. And
1: that's where, I mean, look, I go back and watch those movies now and I'm like, oh, these are, there are, like, Ghostbusters, if you think about it, is like a batshit crazy movie. It's very adult. It's Very adult. It's like ensemble comedy, you know. Ghost blowjobs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it really, yeah, there, there's dude. a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in it that. You're like, "Oh, cool. Like this they were sort of were doing, you know, off the wall shit even in, even in the sort of context of that movie back then." So, you know, they were yeah, like all the way through I think I was always like, "What's the what is the thing that is massively appealing but also just like has a little bit left of center sensibilities?"
0: And so, let's like uh, you get to be 18, we start applying for colleges. Did you automatically know like I'm going to UC USC to film school?
1: I mean, I really wanted to. I was so like, you I, knew like yeah.
0: and did you know specifically like I want to be a writer?
1: No. No, 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 dude. I was like, I'm gonna be a director. I'm gonna go to film school and go direct movies. And I had a class, uh, it was probably like my junior year. Um, and Michael Wright, who I think now runs MGM Plus, but at the time was a CAA agent. Would come in once a week. It's like one of those classes where night class, he comes in once a week and is like, This is how the business really works. I do that.
0: I do that now, by
1: the way. I know. That's so you're right. Yeah. (laughs) So that's us now, uh, which is terrifying. So he comes in the first week and he's like, Who here wants to be a director? Everybody's hand goes up and he's like, It's not going to happen for any of you. And everyone's just like, What? And he basically said, (laughs) Nobody, you're not going to graduate at 22 and someone's going to give you, you know, 15, 20, 25 million dollars to go make a movie. Anyone who wants to be a director, go home and start writing tonight. He's like, that's the only way you're going to get your shot. Um, And I like really took that because up until then I was like and no part of me was like, I want to sit down and write 110 pages. That sounds, you know, really difficult. Yeah. And I left that class was like, okay, I guess I guess this is what we have to do now. Do you ever see that guy? Have you ever run into him? No, I haven't seen him since. Oh, shout out to that dude. Yeah, he really puts
0: you on the fucking right path. Yeah, man. So you go home, like, I don't even think, like, was there like Robert McKee and Save the Cat then? Like, what, like, how do you like, oh, I'm going to write a movie now?
1: I mean, I, you know, then I would took some classes at SC, like in the film school. Um, but I don't know. This is where I just credit watching so many movies growing up. Like, you, I just was sort of like, okay, like, I got it. You know, I mean, that sounds such an asshole, but you know, and I didn't got it by the way. Like it took me (laughs) a very long time for someone outside of my own brain to be like, yeah, you got it. But on some level, I just sort of understood like, this is generally what it is and, and how a movie works because you know, not, I'm not like doing anything revolutionary here, obviously, but it's just sort of like, you look at the movies you love and you're like, okay, I see what they did and I see how that worked. And you know how they got it going and those are the scenes that make it move from one thing to the next and then and then you know along the way you get feedback and realize like oh that's interesting like everyone in this script i wrote does talk the same or whatever it is whatever those early writer notes are um and just you know just stuck with it and
0: did you write like did you write any movies while you were in college or tv shows like do you remember what the first thing where you're like i like i'm taking this guy's advice and i'm gonna fucking write
1: uh, that's a great question, man. I mean, I remember, you know, trying to write stuff with friends and, but even that never felt totally, um, like, what's what I'm looking for? Like, I always had imposter syndrome because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm really riding a shotgun while someone else is doing this. And I mean, not that I wasn't contributing in an equal manner, but it just, it never felt to me like, like, it was one of those things where you like, you got to do this on your own at least one time, from start to finish, uh, if you really want to be like, yeah, I'm a writer. And so I do remember writing, you know, like a script about, you know, a, a group of friends who decide, who like, hey, man, feels like starting a boy band would be pretty easy. We should just do that. Um, most of what the things I write, it was called boy band, great. Uh, but most of the things I write are like just overconfident dipshits that are like, this seems doable, and then realize it's not. So that one, you know, wrote it start to finish was like, okay, like, and I remember being like, I'm just going to write five pages a day. That's not that hard. I can do that. And, yeah. you know, got through it. And again, subsequently I look back and you're like, Ooh, you were so, um, just like, what's the word I'm looking for. It was a weapon that you didn't know anything because to now just down to be like, I'm going to write five pages. And you're like, well, that's so much harder because now I know the pitfalls and I can see what's wrong with it. And I'm like, that's not going to work because X, Y, or Z. And ooh, is that piece of dialogue really going to, you know, move us forward? Or is that saying the right thing about the character? Back then you're just like, and then they walk into the room and say some crazy shit and then go to this next thing. And so, you you know, you yeah, you get through the screenplay pretty quickly when you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and then, you know, rewrote that a bunch of times, sent it to some friends, uh, and this
0: is in college or post. This is
1: uh, this is in college, I okay. think, or like maybe senior year, near the end of college.
0: Did you were you interning at all, or like if you had you like had any assistant jobs, or were you about to apply for any? Like, what was your plan like post graduation?
1: My plan post graduation was like I'm gonna write this, uh, and and I'm gonna sell this and then make a <laughs> million <billion> dollars. <laughs> And never have to worry about anything ever again. But I really was like, I like, I'm gonna do this like right. Cause I also finished college like a semester early. So I kind of had like little this time. little window to be like, okay, I'm gonna really sit down and try to crush this. Um and yeah, and then that sort of led, you know, to the next script, to the next script, to the next script. And then ultimately after writing you know several things, and it, it's amazing how this stuff works. It was like a guy I went to high school with. His sister was working at AMG, which was like a management company back in the day. And she, he gave my script to her because I had sent it to him, and he like read it on the shitter, and then was like, "This is pretty funny, man." And then she read it, and she happened to know two of her good friends were leaving. They were assistants at UTA who were leaving to start their own management company. They sent it. She sent it to them. And then those guys have been my managers, you know, for that was Sean and Aaron. that was Sean and Aaron. Yeah.
0: Wow. Shouts yeah. to Kaplan and Perron. Kaplan
1: and Perone. And I remember even then it was like, they read it and then were kind of like, oh, cool. Like, this is the thing that I, you know, everyone who is young and like in high school or college or whatever was like, hey man, what, you know, I'd love to pick your brain. I always remember to tell them that like, if you're going to be a writer and you write something start writing the next thing after you're done. Because the first question most people are gonna ask you is like this, if they like it is what else are you working on? Have you done? Because it's a career that theoretically will require you to write multiple things. Yeah. And that's not for everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's really hard to do. And, you know, even at this point, I was talking with someone the other day about this, like, you know, I don't even know how many things I've written at this point, but every time you sit down to do it, you're just like, fuck there's totally. nothing here totally. like what do I got to figure this whole thing <laughs> out totally. now you totally. know and it's yeah it's hard so that was like one of my first conversations I met them they're like cool like this is we like this what else you know I'm like oh I just finished this other thing up and then I sent them that like this is great and then it it just like and it grew you know what I mean it yeah. it, it, it grew until finally we were able to get one over the finish line and sell a script and do you remember what the first one you sold was it's called maid of honor yes yeah and that got made. It got made which, again, this at the is time, incredible, Adam. you don't even... Yeah. So when
0: you... so Let me just back up. Yeah. You wrote Maid of Honor. Like, what inspired that?
1: That I will give... So, you know, I'll say Sean, but I'm not 100%. I'm pretty sure it was Sean was like, hey, is there a movie here? Guy has to be Maid of Honor and his best girlfriend's wedding, but secretly in love with her. And... There are, I mean, you, you know, you've been through this. Sometimes people pitch you ideas and you're like, I don't know, maybe that's a movie. And then there are other times where you're like, yes, like you said that one line and the whole thing just like formed in my head uh, in a way that it won't actually be when you finish it. But like you have that feeling of like, that's a movie. Yep. And I remember him, them uh, pitching that. And I was just like, yeah, dude, that's 100%. I got it. And I went out and I wrote that draft, a first draft in like, three weeks oh you know God. i just like was like i get it you know um and i and it's not boogie nights you know what i mean it's like no, I, but and, still, and uh... in large part i got it because i'm like i have seen th- this feels familiar in a good way to me like i know i've seen versions of this movie i yeah. know kind of what it's little best feel friend's like. wedding exactly little
0: graduate maybe yes
1: all of these things and so you and it just wrote the first draft sent it to them they were like you know this is great. Here's here's a bunch of notes. Great, you, sweet. You know did, went back and forth with them on that a bunch of times um, until it was you know pretty pretty great in all of our minds. And then yeah, what out, year is sold this? It. This is 2003. Okay.
0: And so did we do like a? I want you to take me through the weekend. This is going live. Sure. To the town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How old are you? You're like 20
1: something. I think I'm tw- 25.
0: Okay. And do you have agents yet? Or is it just Sean and Aaron?
1: Just Sean and Aaron. This I think amazing is amazing. They, they have the
0: agent. juice, no agents, just fucking just crushing, crushing it out there, dude.
1: Just grinding and working. That's and, so great, you know, pulling levers.
0: Okay, so they, what do they tell you? Like, we're gonna. So and so has got it for this territory. Like, wh- what do they tell you? Who's like never had this happen before? Like, what's they? How how do they describe what's about to happen? So,
1: it was. Um, it was interesting because they like I don't even really remember because I remember it was original films bought it like in a preemptive wow. situation. So I can't, I don't even recall how much, you know.
0: So there was no like crazy bidding war where they're like, we got
1: warners for no, this. No, I okay. think it was like, but again, like they were just like, Hey, this, and you know, at the time you're like, incredible. That's that. that's more money than I ever thought I'd make. And ever. you know, ever. And like, <laughs> let's go. And I remember like, you know, I was, my sister and I, my sister had just moved to LA and was staying in my place in Santa Monica. And, you know, I was just like, I just sold a screenplay. Yeah. Take you me know? through the, uh,
0: how did you get the info that original films bought it?
1: They call, I mean, they called and they were like, you know, good news.
0: Sean and Aaron called you. Yeah. Did you lose your fucking mind?
1: I, it was like an out of body experience, you know, like a hundred percent, but you're just like, <laughs> it, which is crazy. Cause all you think about all the time is, you know, wh- what's the, and, and, you know, for the youngsters out there, like this was back when the spec market was hot. The thing, dude, every was Friday script shark. You're just like reading about, you know, what's 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 selling. Is the my, is this too similar to my idea, whatever it is? And uh, so you, I was consumed by it. Also, because back then, it really felt like this is the only way to get in. I mean, for me, that's how it felt to me. It felt yeah. like you sell a screenplay, and then that is your you know entry point to a career. And so, which now I know there's a thousand different ways, but that's just how, that's, I was like, this is it. This has, this is the way. And um, especially
0: back then, you know, there was no fucking YouTube or Instagram or Twitter where it's like, oh, we like your Twitter. Do you want to write on Parks and Rec? Yeah,
1: there was none of that. I didn't even know about a CV career. Like that, that was completely foreign to me. Like all I knew was, and I think it's because I had had a friend Who had sold a spec, you know, I think he was like 21 at the time. And so you're like, it, that was a thing that was happening among people I knew. And it just felt like, this is it. This is the, this is the wild West. And this is like the vein of gold we're all chasing. And, and so, so it's a long way of saying when it happened, it, I remember thinking like, this should feel a certain way. And it just, but it was so like detached. It was I think I just like went complete detachment and was just like, holy shit.
0: Did you go out and celebrate that night? Yeah,
1: I went out that night. But I remember even like talking to a friend and he was like, dude, how do you feel? And I like couldn't even put it into words. And I remember him being like, Bro, aren't you a fucking professional writer now? Like, you what do you mean you can't? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. You know?
0: And how long did it take for that to get on a uh, path to production?
1: Like it took a while. So yeah, that was that was March of two thousand three. You know, came home, got Bay Cities Deli to celebrate with my sister, Incredible. and then you know went out with some friends, and then, uh, it, so when it, it got made in two thousand, if it came out in two thousand eight, because I remember it opened against a little movie called Iron Man,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, which you know that was a tough, that's a tough, that's a tough piece of competition uh-huh. counter programming, um. So it's five years, which is nothing in, you know, getting a movie made land. But for someone who didn't know any better, and it was like, you know, I did my drafts and then they're like, we're going to bring on another writer, which was the first experience for me of like, oh, okay, I guess
0: what did I'm that feel fired.
1: Like? It felt, um, it didn't, it wasn't like painful or yeah. it wasn't, you know, it felt, I mean, honestly, it also felt kind of like. They they're looking for a different movie than the one that I'm trying to write here, and and not even like in some weird like I don't that's not what I want to yeah. do, but just in a way of like I don't think I quite understand what they're trying to get to, and so I was sort of like great, you know, like Godspeed, yeah, Godspeed, and I hope they nail it. I would love to see it get made. And the movie that came out is was very different, you know, than than what I wrote, um, and so yeah, I mean, and then you know, all, subsequently, tons of writers had worked on it. And then in 2000, whatever, seven, whenever it finally got going, you know, they attached Patrick Dempsey, who was in that yeah. Grey's Anatomy hot zone. And
0: yes, he was. And
1: uh, and that got him made. And it, you know, shot it in LA. And-, and
0: you went to the premiere of your own movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a famous story you told me about being in an elevator with Mr. Dempsey that night. Do you remember it? Was it Where are You Guys Going? It, it, <laughs> yes. That's that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that the one where... Yeah, I'll let you... No, no, wait,
1: but make sure I'm getting it right. It's that's, the one
0: where he's like, hey, did you work on the movie? And you're like, yeah, I fucking wrote it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't, I would never talk <laughs> that way, but <laughs> I, I. I'm
0: summarizing how I heard it. Right, right. No, 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 no.
1: I, cause again, I, first of all, like I get on this elevator with Ellie, my wife and. Uh, atomic moms. Listen, yeah, if you're out there, is that still out. going? No, okay. but great back you catalog listen, back great young th- parents, atomic moms. Um, You know, some fantastic episodes where I make a guest appearance. (laughs) I want to start with those. Seek those out. Uh, Anyway, so we got in the elevator uh, to go to the premiere and, you know, we're dressed up and Patrick Dempsey and others are on the elevator and probably because I'm in like panic mode because I'm like, this is so awkward. This is like the star of the movie. My name is on the movie. I'm meeting this guy for the first time in an elevator like he doesn't know the fuck I am. And so I decide to say, "Where? So you guys, where are you guys going tonight?" And he's like, "Oh, we're going to a movie premiere." And my, and then my wife, who I can now tell is like, "What an asshole my husband is!" <laughs> uh, is like, "No, yeah, we're going to." And he's like, "Oh, did you work on the movie?" And your version's way better. Yeah. I think I probably like turned bright red and was like, "Yes, I wrote it." And but some other people had to rewrite it and, you know, um, but, you know, projected confidence. It was fine. Great. Uh, it was great night. Huge premiere. Like you must I have been over
0: the fucking moon.
1: It was awesome. I want to say like I'm probably not getting the show right, but like entertainment tonight or someone was like performing an actual wedding at the premiere. So Where was the it? At the Bruin? Party, at the Chinese? No, no, it was in New, New York. It oh, was, wow. Uh, I'm going to blank on the movie theater. That's name. okay. No anyway, cares yeah, yeah. In New York. Anyway, yeah, exactly. No, not give a um, fuck. They're like, you're fucking, you're not a New Yorker. Just stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, then, and the after party was like, a, was a wedding reception. It was bananas.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah. And so after that movie comes out and you're like, Adam Stiegel with a produced movie credit, do doors open for you? Like, does anything change? Because I feel like so many people, especially me, you know, even after Undateable, I was like, oh, things are going to change for me now. I have a produced TV credit. Did, was there any of that? Like, did, could you feel any sort of title, uh, not title, any sort of uh, paradigm shift in terms of how you were treated or if you became more of an incoming call business?
1: Uh, that would be a better question for my reps because okay. I honestly... I've never felt that. And I'm sure that is not the case. Like, I'm sure if you ask them, they'd be like, uh, yeah, dude, like after this thing, way more incoming yeah. calls. I, my experience has always been much more just like, you know, put your head down, do the work, take the meetings, do the things. And, and, and I've been lucky enough for it to just, you know, progress forward for the most part. Um, and that's just my experience. I've also gotten very lucky, like. I mean, dude, luck is a huge component yeah. of this thing, but you know, I like, I'll give you, I mean, my best example is I remember meeting with Todd Phillips about this movie due date. And at the time was just an open writing assignment. And, you know, I remember my agents just being like, Hey man, there's other, like, you know, there's other people going in on this that have better credits than you just be aware okay you know so i go in you I go meet over todd, to green hat go over there's over to green hat um meet with todd and you know we just kind of talk about the movie and got along you know really well and and sort of got that job you know like and in the room with him I'm you feel not, like i don't know about in the room but like but but i got it you know like there wasn't you know it wasn't like todd is you know beyond smart, you know what I mean? So, And he's also incredibly decisive. So I feel like he sat down, we talked, he was probably like, yeah, I feel like he's got it and, you know, doesn't seem like he's gonna be difficult to work with, so cool. Um, then, and also at the time, it's one of many movies that yeah. Todd is developing.
0: And Robert Downey Jr. was not attached to it at no. all yet.
1: Because what happened was then, like, I want to I mean, again, it's hard for me to remember exactly, but I want to say- shortly after I got that job and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go write this movie due date. Now the hangover comes out. Mm. Okay. So now all it's like, just what's Todd's next movie. You know, can we get, can we get one in before the hangover? I mean, it's just like, you know, he's the most sought after director. You know what I mean? Um, And has yet to relinquish the crown. Uh, He, so again, the Warner brothers is like, okay, obviously we're going to make a sequel. You know, is there another movie that we can get going? And then, at that point, Todd and I like really dug in. He was like let's let's crank this thing out and see if we can make this happen and you know at the time, and again, I'm just the writer at that point at the time. he's also like doing his producing thing and putting the movie together, and you know, you know, getting Robert and Zach involved and um and then that one just went, and I mean, that's like all time all time great experience. Cause I also got to g- travel and go yeah. and be on set for that, which was
0: the whole time you would get to be on set writer.
1: I mean, Todd will <laughs> still make fun of me for this, but I was there the whole time except for, I had to go to a family thing, the days that we shot at the grand Canyon, which was probably <laughs> the best days to shoot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was there the rest of the time and it was awesome. It was just like all time experience.
0: What is it like? And I don't know if you had this scenario that's uh, just in my head. Like, was there ever a moment where you have to be like, Hey, Bob Downey jr. Uh, it's written a little bit more like this. Uh, what do you think of it? Like, and maybe Todd's probably doing a lot of that. But did you ever find yourself in a scenario where you had to critique or give notes or have a creative conversation with Robert Downey Jr. Where you're going? I'm fucking talking to Robert Downey Jr. and suggesting maybe X, Y, or Z.
1: No, definitely not. Okay, and I and I will say like That's just in my head then. Th- but but that movie, Todd and Downey, like figured out a lot of it as we went along. I mean, they were, you know, Todd. Downey and zach would like go into a trailer every morning and kind of you know talk things out and figure things out and um and really like figured figured out what they wanted to do that day like it was very awesome to sort of see that process and and you know watch how they did it because they were and it wasn't like a completely different movie it was just them you know yeah exactly and it was You know, and and but there, but then yeah, you talk to these guys, and also you're like Galifianakis is just, (laughs) I mean, throwing a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, you know, so funny.
0: How did you not like fucking pee your pants in Video Village watching? Oh, it's incredible.
1: You're just like, and every take is you know different and hilarious, and like, and him and Todd had such a good thing where Todd's throwing things out, and you know they're just, you're. I mean, dude, there are moments where you're like, this is going to be the greatest comedy ever made. (laughs) You know, I mean, it it really was just you know, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, experiences, you know, in my, whatever years of doing this.
0: And so after due date, do we feel like anything changed?
1: I mean, what changes that I had a relationship with Todd, you know, and like, he's a guy that I look up to creatively, like he's made so many of my favorite movies. He was very cool about like, you know, just like showing me things as we went along about how you know, his process and how it worked and, and things like that. And then, um, and then, so then I got to work on Project X as a result, yep. you know, with him and Nima and- um, I was with Nima last night, actually. Love that dude so He's the much. fucking best. He's the greatest. Yeah. That movie was fucking bananas. I bet. Uh, I listened to a podcast about it recently and it was like just a great walk down memory lane. Just like <laughs> listening to someone talk about their experience of seeing that movie. And they had also gotten into some of the sort of like folklore around it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah. It's all true. I went with
0: like Nima, Amy, and all of our friends like opening night to see that at the Arc Light. So good. It's, uh, I ha- truly to this day have not seen a better trailer. Like I remember, oh, yeah. my, I remember that trailer coming out
1: and my friends going like, oh my God. Yeah. Like just like the flamethrower and all of it, man. Every dude to this day, like when Pursuit of Happiness comes on anywhere, I'm instantly transported back to that to that experience. Oh,
0: fucking A. Yeah. Okay. So after Project X is, I think, is maybe where I cross paths with you Ew. in television. Yeah. How did you end up going into fucking multicams after date Project X? question.
1: Uh that, so I had met so Bill Lawrence's partner Jeff Engold uh is from the same town as me growing up. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, went to Rival High Schools. Awesome. Um and I'd gone in to just, you know, meet with him and he had mentioned Undateable and I'm like, "Oh yeah, this sounds like there's a there's an idea there." It was based on a book that wasn't even was just like a picture book, yeah. but I am like, it's oh, a good title. And it was one of those things where it like, you know, whatever. we're like, yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just develop this and see where it goes. And, uh, and so developed it with those guys, with Warner Brothers. And it was one of those things that just sort of like, it was never the highest profile thing. It was never like, but, but it just kept not going away. You know, and, and people kept being like, oh, we're really, we like this. Yeah, this is, you know, we like it. And then there was that, you know, there's that moment when they pick your show up where, you know, and that's when you're like, oh, and this is why I'm partnered with Bill Lawrence because now we get to go make a TV show.
0: Take me into that moment where you find, who calls you, Bill? I think we were you together? Bill.
1: I think we were probably together uh, in his office.
0: And did he know the call was coming? Does anyone like pre-call Jeff and is like, be near the phone at three?
1: I mean, Jeff always knows like I don't know how. I you know I mean I just feel like he like touches his desk and and telepathically <laughs> fucking television information comes to him. So we had a pretty good sense of like okay, like this is going to happen and then they called and you know we all do a real subdued waspy celebration in the mm-hmm. room and and yeah, and then went and made the show.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Do you, you, did you have to go to upfronts in New York and do that oh, whole yeah. fucking thing? Yeah. What's that like?
1: That like, was crazy. Did you feel like a rock
0: star a little bit. Um, I mean, this is coming from the guy who's like been hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and Don yeah, yeah. Phillips. Listen, so, yeah, I, it, I,
1: it was no, but that's also because I was with Bill and Jeff who had had three shows picked up oh, that year, right? So you were like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was awesome and it was such a crazy experience and, um, very unique and specific, like, you know, that they're there and, you know, touting stuff to sell advertising. You're like, this is a crazy machine that's happening in radio city. But it was, it was wild to be there and be like, this dude just got three fucking TV shows put on TV. Like that's bananas.
0: It's so interesting because my, my big goal when I met you was get staffed on a TV show before you turn 30. I actually celebrated my 30th birthday with you guys in the indatable writers room. So thank you. Um, but while I sat there watching this show be made, I started to go, okay, I did the cute thing of getting staff. Like, how do I sell a show with Bill? Like, how do I become right. Adam? Right. Sure. And so in a very serendipitous way, doing that Barney show with him where I had to go and do the worst thing that it was like and it's not even like it was prison work. Yeah. But having to eat some humble pie and go work at the Grove selling fucking women's shoes for twelve months to that to bring me back to what I really wanted, which was to sell a show with Bill, was that's so great. A fucking... When, when they called to tell me they were... NBC bought the show, like, it was one of those out-of-body out of, out of body experience moments where I, I could not believe that I was able to yeah. turn this lump of coal into a fucking diamond with Bill. Yeah. And so I credit my, like, I want to fucking do this from seeing, like you know, that you guys would go on that undateable comedy tour. You'd be with him in a fucking jet somewhere. I'm like, that's what I want. And I kept saying to Brent, like, when's Bill inviting us over to the bar? Like, when do we get to go on the plane? Like, and he was like, it'll happen. It'll happen. And then they didn't pick up the show. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dude, that that's better than any story I have. No, I mean, it's it's so good. But it's the truth. Like,
0: I really just was like. And I, and I tell people this all the time. And on, on every podcast, like my two friends are like, stop talking about fucking Bill Lawrence and Undateable. We get it. It was so great. <laughs> I truly like, you guys were so wonderful, such wonderful bosses. And like, if, for those of us that were paying attention, like you really got a fucking education of like how to take notes, how to respond to notes. Yeah. They don't even do, Bill doesn't even really do notes. So how does he, you know, address what people are telling him in run-throughs? And it just was uh, the best finishing school I ever could have imagined.
1: Yeah. For me too, man. I mean, that was like, you know, cause I had never done television before that show and to be able to watch bill do it up close you're just like oh this is about so much more yeah than writing a good tv show yeah and it, it was yeah i mean everything that guy does you're just like "Ooh, okay that's a good one to know let me remember that you know the next <laughs> time i'm dealing with something or that's a good turn of phrase or yeah you know that's a good way to make people feel heard and then you know, and then and then figure out how to address it in a way that also preserves what you're trying. I mean, he's just like so good at that stuff.
0: Adam, as someone who has also experienced how it feels when your show gets canceled, what was it like when Undateable went away? And maybe it's too emotional for you. No, maybe no, it wasn't. No, I just, no. it I'm was... so curious, like how, because we weren't with you at that. You know, like we didn't get to see how you guys. We just got a quick email from you and Bill, being like, "Party's <laughs> over.
1: <laughs> Party's over." I was so I remember that very very well because. I was at a wedding in Maine and I also had just done another multicam pilot with Bill. Oh, right. Uh, um, Vlad. Yes. With uh, Vlad Camano, great standup comic. And that one felt like, oh, this could go too. This would pair well with Undated. Like, you know, it was almost this world of like, oh, we can have two shows on TV. Let's go. And, and it was also like this wedding was basically going to butt up against upfronts. Mm-hmm. Um, this was some real last minute, like, well, you know, we're, we're okay. We're just waiting to hear. And so I'm like, oh, I might have to fly from Maine to New York. Like, and so you
0: thought we were getting season four.
1: I didn't know because I just didn't know, man. I mean, we had just done that live season. It's crazy. You sent all the writers an email. I
0: was in Hawaii. First big boy trip, got some money from undateable, taking my wife for the first season, wrote that finale deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Deadline. Wrote an article like undateable, probably not coming back. And yeah. then you sent us an email being like, that's fucking bullshit. I don't know who leaked that, but right. like, chill, everyone. Yeah. And so then, yeah, yeah so I, again, the I'm like, in,
1: yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, I mean, listen, dude, I, I, we should, I should disclose, I am a way too optimistic person. Like, I'm always just like, yeah, everything's going to go exactly as I want it to. And how could it not? In spite of that very rarely happening in this business. Um, but I think we were still optimistic because like that, say what you will, like that live season was one of a kind.
0: It was incredible.
1: Um, and <laughs> It's like Saturday Night Live every was. Friday. It was wild and it was so much fun. Uh, and I thought, yeah, there's a world where in a world where you're trying to be a big flashy thing to get some eyeballs, like that's what we're doing. And, and then I was at this wedding and I'm thinking maybe we'll go to New York and we'll figure it out. And then I want to say Jeff called, um, and was like, date was canceled and the pilot's not picked up <laughs> and you're like, all right, okay. I guess we're going back to movies. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it was like, and then, and then we ended up going, I, I want to say we flew to Miami instead just to like, you know, hang out and see my sister and stuff. But it was just like double guillotine, One phone call, which is great. Let's, you know, spare me, spare me twice. Um, And that was it. And I will, the thing was, I mean, you remember doing that show was so awesome and challenging at the same time. Yeah. Like the week for me, I would always tell people this, like the weeks would go, you know, we'd start Monday by Wednesday at four in the morning, I'd be like. I'm dying. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And then you'd like leg your way to Friday, do the live show and be like, this is the greatest thing in the world. I I want to do this forever. I know. And that, like, I would just repeat that every week, you know, (laughs) here we go Monday. Okay. Shit. Here we go again. And then (laughs) by Wednesday, you're just like, I just want to go home. I'm so tired (laughs) of this. And then Friday night, you're just like,
0: let's go forever.
1: (laughs) So there was a part of me that's like, Had they picked it up, I would have been ecstatic and also ecstatic that we would have had a few more months to just catch our breath and then start again and um, do all that stuff. But so it took a minute to sink in of like, oh, and I will tell you, dude, now, what is it? Like seven, eight years, I don't even know how many years. 10, 12, Okay, it's a lot of years later.
0: Yeah, 10 years, 10.
1: A lot of years later. uh, I I have increasing sort of fondness and joy about what we were able to do. Because you're just like- I'll still run into people. I was talking to someone about this yesterday and they'll be like, I remember coming to that show and just being like, this is awesome. This is a rock concert. This is just like the best experience uh, I've had. And that was very unique, very singular. And- you know.
0: I have an interesting fact for you. Lopez v. Lopez on NBC, yeah. they tout as the best NBC comedy in years. Do you know what the last NBC comedy that they are comparing it to? No. Is you. It's undateable. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because what we were doing was like 0.8s, point 0.7s. Point and that's what no show. And I've been keeping fucking yeah. track yeah. because it's my job, the yeah. studio guy, yeah. to know what numbers are what. And I follow NBC because you know I pitch them every year and I want to be in business with them and David Sutton. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. They are now touting Lopez V. Lopez as like a huge hit because it's doing the numbers that we were doing with the news as a lead in on Friday nights at eight. Wow. And so I think if NBC wow. could go in a fucking time machine, they would have re they would have ordered seven more seasons of undateable because it was doing numbers that at the time you're like, well, it's not even a, a, a you know, a one yeah. Oh now it's like, if you get a point three, they're like, Oh God, we're, we're great. We're going to get a season they, two.
1: Dude. I mean, I think we were caught. I mean, everybody was not just us, but like. It was the, it was sort of that moment where television was the, the eyeballs were going down. And so every year it was like a reset of what's the target. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point, like, okay, so by last year's standards, we don't look great, but by, if we could look ahead to next year's standards. Yeah. We'd be awesome. I even remember when we premiered in season one. uh, One, three. And it was, it was like, you know. They were like putting it on in the summer. Burn off
0: two episodes Told, at a time exactly. during the NBA playoffs. Uh-huh. So I was watching with Brent. In his there apartment you go. You remember going, if this show gets a season two, daddy's getting a job. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and I remember in gold, I would always joke with those guys. Because again, for people who don't know, back in the day, you could talk to Bill about this. If you had a hit multi-cam show, like you could, you're printing money if you got to syndication, you know? And uh, and so I would joke with the guys. I'm like, guys, this show's going to be a hit. We're all going to get Tesla helicopters. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Bring the Tesla chopper in. You know, like, I, yeah. that was, like, my thing. It's like, we're, we're going to have a giant hit. we we'll live forever. We'll live forever. And when it did the 1-3, Engel just texted me, Tesla copters. Because it was like, you know, you thought you are going to do half of that, yeah. you know? And, and I will say that number, though, got us to season two. Yeah. You know, like, it was like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> What a surprise! And then, it's crazy. and then Bill, dude, Bill's Bill. Bill's like, end of season two. He's like, well, now how do we get to season three? And that's when he's like, let's do a live episode. Did the live episode, and then we're on the bubble again. And then Bill goes to NBC and is like, what if we did a whole season of live episodes? And they're like, touche. Okay, you got your season three. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then you know, I've season four. I don't know. We would have had to do them from the moon or something. <laughs>
0: The, the next thing, or the, the big last splashy fun thing I want to talk to you about is I know that you have found yourself in a position where you have to pitch the rock from, or people as big as the rock or the rock plus studio heads of all shapes, maybe even James Gunn. Uh, And so I want to ask, what is that like? How do you prepare yourself? Like when you are going up to like, yeah, I could potentially write black Adam. Like, here's what I think it should do. A, like, what do you prepare for that? phone pitch, whatever the, if it's in person, I don't even know it's in a post COVID world. And uh, how do you sort of stay sane and not be like, I'm getting on the fucking phone with X, Y, and Z.
1: Dude, that's a really great question. The funny thing is my anxiety, and and it actually comes into play in this, has nothing to do with who I'm pitching. It has to do with like, is the technology going to fail? Like meaning like, so when I had to pitch DJ, as we call him, when I had to pitch DJ Black Adam, all I'm, cause he's over the phone, like everyone's over the phone and I'm like in my, you know, in in the backyard of my house when I was living in LA and I'm like, what if this fucking service cuts out? There's a 25 minute pitch. You know what I mean? Like that's all I'm thinking about. And, and I, I'm glad you reminded me of it because that is like the, you, you know, when you ask questions like, how did it feel when you got the pickup for this or that or whatever, the longer I do this job, the less, like momentary excitement I can, I generate because I'm, I just know there's more mountains to climb, yeah. you know? And so by the time, like it's like, oh, the show got picked up and you're like, okay, cool. Like now we got to go shoot a good pilot. And then there's that thing. And then the next thing, and then you it's like, you're just so used to what's the next hurdle we have to, to get over. So, but an exception to that was, uh, black Adam, you know, uh, becomes a, job that's out there they're going to make that movie or they're going to you know develop that movie and i'm like oh dude i love that character like i i have a i think i have a pretty good take on it and i had like then you know worked with hiram who works with dj and we talked about a lot of stuff and kind of worked out this idea for the movie and the guys at new line and uh bo flynn and all all the people you know like we're all putting this thing together but you know you still gotta you know get on the phone with dj and danny and you know like here's the movie that like you are going to be front and center in so hopefully you dig it so and i'm thinking i love like if, if they don't like this fine because i love it i just i believe in it so deeply um that this is my best shot so whatever i'm very confident about it but i am a little worried about cell phone, towers cell towers so i get on the phone um and i i don't know
0: one moment uh, for DJ.
1: Uh, well, over DJ. Uh, he gets on the phone and like we, at this point, um, you know, actually, when was this? Two I'm sure to remember if I'd done rampage yet. I don't know. The point is like, you know, we're not, it's, it's not like strangers. Hey Adam, how you doing? Good to, you know, like it's just, it's like, it's like, okay, like the biggest movie star in the world's on the phone right now. And you're going to pitch him your movie. Uh, so get out with him and Danny. And, you know, I want to say some of the reps are on there. I, I, it's a ton of people. I pitched the movie. And i Hold just, on, hold yeah. on,
0: pause. What are you are you reading off of something or do you have note cards on a wall?
1: Are you I have it typed off? out in front of me, but like I've done this thing so many times that I I never look at it. So you know, you're I like can, off book, basically. 100%. Yeah. Incredible. Um I go I launch into the pitch. And again, like this is not a pitch where it's like go, yeah, let me jump. Like can we jump in for a sec and how about this and what you like this is me talking for 22 straight minutes. So I and I go and I also, you know, there's some hitters on this call, so I'm definitely cranked up a couple notches, you know. And uh and I'm already cranked up like in life, I'm already yeah. dialed up a little bit. So I'm a lot, you know, as my as my wife would say. So I'm just like throwing at maximum velocity on this pitch for 22 straight minutes, like probably sweating by the end of it.
0: Can I ask you, Adam, how do you start to something like, because, you know, it's always like tell, personal way in. What is your attachment? Like, did you start by being like, I grew up reading these comics? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what? how do you start a pitch of this
1: magnitude? I mean, on that one, I started with like, here's what I connect to about this character. Okay. And and I really did feel like there was, and it, it just, I mean, again, I love... Like Unforgiven, one of my favorite all time movies. Like I'm I love any like spaghetti westerns, all those things that that deal with, you know, sort of like, you know, one guy sort of against the world, like kind of gets into some issues of masculinity, like, you know, good versus evil, like all that kind of stuff. Like very like
0: maybe a redemption arc uh, somewhere. Yeah,
1: like a lot of Western tropes. So that's what I'm coming in with. That's what I'm connected to. That's there's a lot of character stuff that goes into it so that's how I started. I pitch for 22 minutes. Okay. I finish. There's like, I'll do it right now. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the end. That's how much silence I hear. Okay. I literally just, by the way, felt flashback panic oh from what God. it felt like, where I'm like, <laughs> the fucking call dropped. Like, that's all I'm thinking. I'm like, the call dropped.
0: And I just pitched for 18 Jesus minutes to Christ, nobody. I
1: talked to nobody. Like, <laughs> this is a fucking disaster. Like, I and I, I I haven't been in this headset mindset for a long time either, which is like, I really wanted this one. You know, I was like, I feel this movie in my bones and I want it, you know? And so I go through just dozens of emotions and that six second silence where I'm like, the call dropped. This isn't meant to he be. I'm it. not going to get this. They're not going to want to hear it again. They check, or maybe they just checked out after the first, whatever it is. I'm just like, and I'm not a spiraler either. This is like a very, this So that's an uncomfortable feeling for me. Like yeah. I'm like, what the insecurity. Is that what this is called? I don't know. Like I, I just live like, there, <laughs> all this stuff. Right. So just endless silence. And then, and then I hear DJ go, dude, that was fucking awesome. And I just was like, I mean, like literally I was like, thanks, talk to you later, bye. You know, like, I just, I mean, it was, it was, I was like, okay. You knew, it it was mine. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I think at that point, there's even still stuff you have to figure out. But like, once I got the, just the, I mean that, by the way, they could have said, and we're going in another direction, and I would have been fine. (laughs) Yeah. Just because I just wanted him to dig it, you know, like I wanted to, and that's honestly why I do what we do. It's like, I want to tell a story. And have somebody dig it, you know, and, and he, and he did, like, I felt it. I felt him over the phone be like, yeah, that's about, and you know, to his credit, like then he was all in. And I remember like, even, um, I had put, uh, on the, on the cover page, little, might be a little pretentious for some people out there. I had put a few lines from Johnny Cash saw man in black that I thought were like very appropriate for this movie. And, and I had quoted, I told, I was like, look, this is this part of the inspiration is, is this song and these specific, this specific part of it. And just like, he got all of it, you know, like he got what I was trying to do and, um, and then we went from there. But that was like one of those great feelings of like, fuck yeah.
0: Does everyone, when the call-ins, did all of your
1: reps call you and be like, dude, fuck him. No, because again, like, it, like you don't know, you know, like yeah. that's my room was like, I don't yeah, want to yeah. get over my skis. Cause everyone so can I blow smoke up your ass. And they go, how did it go? I'm like, I think it went pretty well. You know, like I think it was good. I think, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, like you just, I just don't want to.
0: And then what, how long do you have to wait before you get the official? He actually it. wasn't long.
1: It. I mean, yeah, he, it was like, it wasn't, it was, you know, then I talked to you know, everybody at the studio side and, you know, from the, you know, the producers and everyone. And they're like, that was great dude." you know, you, you, but again, like that was an incredibly detailed pitch. And then, and then, you know, and then it develops from there. Obviously, How
0: long did it take you to put that pitch together from moment you found out black Mm, Adams on the table to a couple
1: months? I mean, we did, I mean, look, and again, I give, I'm a big collaborator guy, you know, like I love to use studio producers, everybody to really be like, Hey, like, help me out here. Like, what are we building? Let's make sure we're all on the same page. Like, what do you think? And, and everybody on that movie, uh, like had a, had a great and enthusiastic, um, appetite to really figure out something cool. And like, you know, so I would call, you know, Hiram who, you know, runs, runs the feature stuff over there and just be like, dude, give me an hour. And let's just like, let's just talk, Black Adam, let's talk Hawkman, let's talk, you know, let's talk about these characters and figure out like, what's the, what's the cool shit in this movie? And he's a huge comic book nerd. So he would just be like, yeah, great. Let's go. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, but it wasn't like crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What's
0: next for you, Adam? Are you even allowed to say anything? Ooh, uh,
1: You know, well, some broad strokes. Yeah, give
0: me just like a little taste. Just wet my beak sure. where I, I get a, a,
1: a like a half mass, but you don't
0: tell me, you know.
1: Uh, I mean, I've I've told you about this. I'm going to direct a movie that my wife and I wrote, a little low budge uh, comedy. Love it. we have a um, DP picked out? Uh, we, you know, circling. Some some conversations. Okay. It's been tricky because this we were supposed to shoot it last or yeah summer of 23 and then you know not sure if people have been following but there was a strike Mm -hmm. um which pushed pushed us until whenever the strike doesn't so like yeah we have people that we're really excited about that you have to have that super annoying conversation of like uh hey we can't do anything right now because we're in the middle of this strike but once it all resolves itself um you know, we'd love to, we'd love to, to make this movie with you, uh, which is another bill trick I learned, which is like the great way to think to say to people is do me a favor. Let me know if anything else comes your way, you know, like you, and I was like, Oh, that's so smart because you know, then you don't get blindsided by, Hey, we found our guy. And then you go back to your guy or girl and they're like, Oh, I took another job. Um, and it's a great way to just, you know, be like, Hey, we're excited about this. We just can't do anything right now. Yeah. so yeah we have a great team put together we got you know a little cast that we're excited about and then hopefully go shoot that you know next spring
0: and I'm like if, i want you on a star wars i want you on sure a, man yeah uh, like are, are are any of those conversations where they're like dude like if you let me ask this adam if you had a fucking magic wand and you could have access to anything what would you write
1: that's a great question i mean if they were like batman what do you got you know like yeah, dude. I mean, look, I that's the thing. I think about there is nothing that I love more than storytelling. It's, I mean, other, that that is non-living, you know, like, yeah. I mean, my family and other human beings are first and foremost, but like, it means so much to me. I derive so much joy from it that like, if someone says to me, X character, what do you got? Like, sure, I'll sit here and we'll, we can talk for, I mean, dude, you and I could sit here and talk about movies and storytelling for 12 hours yeah. and I would not get bored of it. So It's like my greatest joy when someone says, what do you got? And you're like, let me, I mean, that was black Adam. It was like, Hey, this character, what do you got? And I'm like, all right, let me roll my sleeves up and dig in. This is awesome. Like when they
0: said phantom, I was like, Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah. And you're (laughs) like, let's go. Yeah. And let me come back. Let me blow your mind. And, and then let's, and then let that be the starting point, you know, from which we build this thing. So. Yeah, I mean Kathleen Kennedy listens to this podcast. I'm yep, sure. I know. Uh, definitely down for some Star Wars. Do you know they just like skewered the shit out of her on South Park?
0: Really? Oh yeah. It was all over Deadline today. That like the episode is called the like uh, South Park Enter the Panderverse, and that Cartman is afraid wow. that his new nightmares he's going to be replaced by diverse women, and this is all orchestrated by Kathleen Kennedy. So he asks his mom to come into the room to see if Kathleen Kennedy's under his bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Fucking uh, crazy. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, but dude, I mean also, but I will say like, I don't know if you watched Andor Mm -hmm. it's fucking incredible. And that also gets me excited because I'm like, oh, the Tony Gilroy version of this thing that I love is also, and I think that's where my real sensibility lies, dude, is like I said, like that blending of eighties and nineties where you're like, great, give me the Tony Gilroy version of star Wars and I will live in that universe for the rest of time, that's you awesome. know? And so that's the kind of stuff that excites me is like, okay, how do I get to do the thing, but also be a little subversive at the same time? Um, but I'm excited, man. I mean, I, you know, like it's, that's, but, but that is the push Is Like I'm excited to go make my $5 million indie movie. And I, you know, was equally excited to make my much higher budget DC movie, you yeah. know, like, and... Hopefully, I get to do both of those. You know,
0: I think so, Adam. Yeah, buddy. Thank you for coming to do this. You're a fucking mensch. You're a great,
1: a great boss. I'm so happy to see you, dude. Truly, I'm happy to hear You have a beautiful home. Thank you, and a beautiful family. Thank you. This is the longest I've made eye contact with someone in so long, dude. It's really <laughs> jarring. Yeah, I just, I, got, I just, I never realized. Like we, I just noticed. I'm like, you and I have been really locked in. Yeah, dude. I have to be. Got to follow the flow, You're dude. You're a great host, dude. Thank You're you, the dude.
0: Howard Stern of Screenwriting Podcasts. Thank you, dude. Thanks, Adam. You're a great guest. Later, buddy. Toodles.